Hello, hi, and welcome. That's hello to everyone I don't know, hi to all those I do, and of course, welcome to all of you. This is CLL and me, the first 24 hours. Last time, I explained how I discovered that I have chronic lymphatic leukemia and left you with this question. Who do you tell that you have CLL? And when should you tell them? The one thing I know with almost absolute certainty is that everyone will have a different answer to this question. I know some people will opt to scream it from the rooftops, or in modern terms, I guess you could say, post it on their social media, while others will choose to keep it to themselves. For me, to a greater extent, it initially started with the latter, partly because I don't do social media. I am quiet, generally keep myself to myself and keep my personal life private and feel it is not for public broadcast. Well, actually, I guess this series may slightly disprove that last point. Before I go on, let me be clear. This question will have no wrong answer. What is right for one person won't be correct for someone else. The people who shout about things use this as part of their coping method and this can be both cleansing for them and also help them to cope with possibly uncomfortable discussions later on. After all, sometimes it can be very difficult to find the words to start a conversation. That is, especially if you have something awkward to say and you may not be totally comfortable discussing it with the people you need to. Once people know about your condition, it is almost certain that their attitude towards you will change, even if this is only subconsciously. I can certainly confirm that I find writing this podcast very therapeutic it is helping me to understand what is happening and come to terms with it. For me, it is very much the writing which helps, far more than the sharing. But as I've said, everyone is different. If you or someone you know is struggling working through an issue, regardless of what it is, sitting down and writing about it can certainly help to focus the mind and concentrate on the important parts of what needs to be considered. But please remember, if you do opt to write a journal or just write some notes to help you focus your mind, there is no need for you to share. You can keep this personal and private should you wish to do so. 
now for the people who choose not to broadcast their condition. This should always be absolutely fine. It may be that they are not ready to have the discussions or don't feel other people need to know. The one important thing in this case is to remember that it should not be used as an excuse not to face what is happening. Again, this is their way of coping and they choose not to have the discussion quite deliberately because they are not ready to have it. Or it could be they just don't want everyone else knowing their private business. As I said, people's attitude to you will change once they know. And this can cause unwanted anxiety for both you and the other person or awkward situations, which can sometimes best be avoided. Having said all of this, the one thing I would very strongly recommend, regardless of how you choose to share your diagnosis, is that you need a trusted advisor to share your journey with, as I explained last time. This should be someone you feel comfortable talking about your condition with and talking about how you feel. You may choose a partner, a trusted friend, or for that matter, a professional counsellor. This bit does not really matter. But it is important to have this support to be able to discuss your situation safely and openly when you feel the need to do so. Ideally, I would recommend someone who can be a calm sounding board and trusted advisor. And if possible, someone who can act as a second pair of eyes and ears when they are needed during some of your consultations. There will be times when you need to understand a lot of what is going on. And emotionally, you may not be in the best place to absorb it. I decided very quickly that I had a few people I wanted to tell, or for that matter, needed to tell. These were mainly direct family and a few close friends and colleagues. After these people, I made the conscious decision if it should come up, then that would be fine, and I personally was more than happy to discuss it as necessary, but personally I saw no need to broadcast my condition further. Always remember, just because it may be difficult, or for that matter uncomfortable, it does not mean you should avoid discussing anything with other people. As long as you approach it in the correct way, you should always be able to discuss almost anything with anybody. Although, obviously, the methods used and the words chosen will vary differently depending on who you are talking to. And in some cases, you may not go into 
as much detail as you would in others. Okay, now we've gone through that, let's get back to my journey. The first person I told was my wife. I am blessed. I have a generally well-grounded and sensible wife who can also read me like a book. There is no way I could have even attempted to hide it from her. That is, even if I felt I needed to. And it would have been totally wrong to even try. I also realised that any delay in telling her would have only made it harder. I decided that my wife was my obvious choice to be my trusted advisor and friend. But I do accept this is not the right person for everyone, as quite often the emotional involvement of a close partner can be difficult for them to be objective when required. So how did I tell her? If you remember from last time, when I received my diagnosis, I was at home alone. So this gave me the time I needed to initially go into shock, pick myself up sufficiently to have the discussion with her and to share the little information that I had gleaned from my research and the telephone call with my doctor. Although I am sure I still made a bit of a mess of it. After all, I was still very emotional. During this conversation, I knew that I needed to keep things together. And I can assure you that is a lot easier for me to say than it was for me to do. Fortunately, after this conversation, I knew in my heart that this was probably the last time I needed to be there to support her. That is not to say that she wouldn't require my support during my journey. So, how did I actually tell her? When she arrived home, I let her get sorted, made another cup of tea, this time for both of us, thus giving me a good reason to spend time with her without making it feel strange or, for that matter, staged. You might think that this sounded cool, calm and collected. I can assure you, this was far from the case. We sat down, drunk our cup of tea, and after she had told me about her morning, I went on to explain to her about the phone call from my doctor. While I did my best to fill in as much detail as I could, adding in the additional information that I had found from my internet research, I am sure that I did a far from my ideal job. However, I did the best that I could at that time. And at least from my point of view, it certainly appeared to suffice. 
On the outside, she seemed to take things in and we started to plan the next steps. But inside, I knew she was struggling and was very likely to have the same questions that I had, which neither of us could answer at that time. Both of us were still processing the raw information and neither of us were really in an ideal state to absorb everything. I do know that in the following days, my wife did reach out to some of her trusted friends to discuss things with them. But that was fine with me. I understood that she required to discuss this and process what I had told her with her advisors and to get an outsider's point of view. I am sure this helped her to cope and process what I had told her and what was going on while still allowing her to protect me from going over the same things time and time again. One of the things that is important to remember is sometimes when we share personal and private details with someone, they can't always keep it to themselves for many different reasons. This does not mean you should not share things, but you should share things with those people you trust to respect your privacy. And in doing so, you also need to allow them the freedom that they require to discuss it with other people. If we don't want our condition to be public knowledge, there is nothing wrong with asking them not to share it. However, at the end of the day, if we trust someone sufficiently to know, we also need to trust them wherever it may take them. Okay, so we both knew, but what next? Well, the short answer was I needed to wait to talk to a consultant haematologist. And if you remember from last time, this was likely to take several months. Being left with lots of unanswered questions and very few sources of trusted, reliable information, this was not a great place to be in. Now, I had to accept that this delay was outside of my control. While, of course, we can make some choices and to some extent control what may be happening to us some of the time, there are just some things that are totally outside of our control. The difficult thing is working out what we can control and accepting or more likely managing this. Now, the fear of the unknown is one of our most basic instincts and can significantly fuel fear and anxiety. Unfortunately, this is wired into the human DNA. And while we can learn to cope or for that matter, manage this, we can never totally get away from it. 
I was fortunate and had access to private medical insurance. So it was able to obtain a more detailed explanation via a telephone consultation with a consultant hematologist within hours of my initial diagnosis. This gave me the opportunity to at least manage and understand what was happening, having processed the initial information from my doctor and had the opportunity to have a brief discussion with a consultant hematologist who was at least able to put my mind at rest. One phone call to my health insurance company and by the end of the day, I had had a phone call back from a consultant who had reviewed my test results and was able to fill in some of my gaps and certainly did reassure me of the next steps and more importantly, the probable timeline for my journey. I can honestly say without this, or at least getting some of this from somewhere else, it would have been a lot harder to wait, or at least I would have been calling my doctor back to try and get the answers that I suspect she could not necessarily provide. So when the consultant called me back, he was great. He went through some initial checks and then explained things again, taking the time to reassure me that I was in the very early stages of the condition. He went on to confirm, other than being careful, I did not need to worry at this stage. I could have a reasonable life and did not need to worry too much in the short term about significant changes in lifestyle. In his opinion, given my results, it was quite possible that it would be several years before I needed treatment. And in the meantime, I could live a relatively normal life if I was careful and obviously took the correct precautions against catching COVID-19. Basically, this is what they call watch, wait and see. But I'll come back to that one in another episode because it would need more time. Looking back, I don't think that the consultant said much more than my doctor had. I was just in a far better position to ask my questions and certainly absorb his answers. He was able to share and give me my actual blood test results which meant I could then go and reassure myself what I was being told. Honestly, I can say the few hours between my initial phone call and the consultant ringing back made a big difference. Following his phone call, I was a lot more reassured and more confident that I could manage the condition, certainly in the medium term. I would say doing all of this by telephone and in the middle of a pandemic 
for what was a very infectious respiratory condition was exceedingly difficult. I am sure, in part, it made things harder for me. Although I do understand it was the only realistic option, given the pandemic. So, here is one last thought to leave you with. You have been diagnosed with a life-changing medical condition. Don't know what is coming next. And the world is in the midst of a pandemic for what is a highly infectious respiratory virus, which has no known effective treatment or vaccine for protection. So what do you do next and how would you feel? So while I leave you with that thought, until next time, thank you for joining me and I'll invite you to continue on my journey when I will cover what happened in the first few weeks. 